0: Welcome to the Life Success and Legacy Podcast. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy the episode.
1: Hey, we want to welcome you all back to our next episode of the Life Success Legacy Podcast. My name is Chris Bay, and I am joined by the Mikes. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Um, Mike Kwong, Michael Crawford, Mike Everett, how are you all? Awesome. Awesome. Good, good. Good to see you guys. Thanks for joining in. Um, did a recent pod or a boot camp uh with uh had a large group actually. We had about 50 people on there, I believe. And um Mike Crawford was kind enough to capture some of the questions that came through. The uh when we do our boot camps, the first half of it, the first it's a three-hour period, and the first hour and a half is us teaching, but the second hour and a half basically is simply Q&A, um, or as our Canadian friends would say, Q&R. In America, we answered, and in Canada, they respond. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we spent about an hour, hour and a half doing Q&A, and um, one of the questions that came up, there, there's some corollaries to this, but we thought we'd jump into this today with the, uh, the recording, is when does it get good? And... Um, <laughs> Mike Crawford, you are the one who captured that question. What did they mean by, when does it get good?
0: Well, I think that they were really just meaning like, um, you know, how long am I paying into this thing before it's really capitalized? (laughs) If I'm summarizing it in IBC terms is how long am I capitalizing it before it's really like taken off um, and, Mm and fully up in the sky?
1: It really goes back to how we introduce uh, at the beginning of boot camps, we talk about the ruts in our brains, right? And yeah, and the farmers right. driving down the down the tractor. And what are those ruts in our brains, Everett? What are the things that we've been taught and, and we look through these lenses typically? What are those ruts?
2: Well, uh, number one, it would be rates of return. It would be uh percentages of things that we would borrow money on it is if we've got a bill when can we stop paying on the bill and how do i put as little as i can in this and then stop so well said it's 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 so opposite of what we actually do
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely mike kong um when when you're meeting with clients or or you're doing a consult and you're talking with folks and some of the questions they ask, the phrase we oftentimes hear is when does it break even, right? <laughs> but you've even broken that down into like, okay, exactly what do you mean by break even? Because there's different ways to look at that. Can you describe that, how you see that?
3: Yeah, sure. So, you know, for most folks, the the initial basic understanding or thinking of this is breaking even, I put so much money into this investment, or in this case, in the policy, which is not an investment, by the way. Uh, at what point does my cash value or you know, equity in this investment right, um, match that in, like amount of uh, money I put in? So for so many years, I put in so much money, it's X amount. At what point is that cash value going to equal that and hopefully exceed it? So that's that's mm. the first thing most people are thinking about, right? When do I mm. get my money back? Right,
1: right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember years ago we had a conversation. In fact, it's it's a podcast recording, I believe, one of our very early early ones back in 2016 with Dr. Eric Benson, and I believe his phrase, the way he phrased it was, "If let's say you start a policy and you think it's man, a couple of years down the road, you think this is the dumbest thing I've ever done," right? Mm-hmm. he said, hang on to it until about year 10 and you'll get every dollar out that you put in, right? Oh, man. So if we think of it as an investment, do you get all your dollars right away that you put in? You do not. But that's where we talk about the three uses and yeah. using it for banking. So, so um, the first thing is break even is looking at when does my premium dollar when i put it in actually create more than the, at least that dollar or more of available cash value right that's one of the yep. break evens yeah. what, what's one of the other break evens that they talk about
3: oh well uh, another point you know that i i'd like to look at is since the illustrations are shown on a yearly you know uh, basis uh, at which year does it become, you know, net positive or, or geared positively? Because remember, this is like a machine and we're putting inputs every year through the premiums. And then at what point does that input for the year net uh, a result that's greater in growth of cash value? Do you mean, do you mean the total premium paid but, uh, versus, oh, just an annual. Okay. Right. Okay. And I'm with you now. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the a, way I look at it all the time. Right there. Exactly, exactly. Especially if your mind is centered on cash flow, which is, yep. in the world it is, right? That's the most important thing. All the other things, you know, uh, you know, are, are kind of secondary. When I have X amount of dollars and I have three options or four options to put my money towards, do I put it towards these where, you know, I might get that return back after so long? Or do I put it in an IBC policy at year five or whatever it is where Boom, I put in the dollar and there's more than a dollar that I can use right there. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's that yearly dollar in, in premium and how much cash value you get access to. Then there is the cumulative premium. What we talk about is cost basis compared to what you have in cash value. Can someone break that down for us?
2: i've looked at that uh uh, well i've looked at it for 18 and a half years now (laughs) and i you know early on when i first got in you know interest rates were great uh investments were great and so dividends were good cash values were great um in the early days you used to be able to do this seven or eight maybe nine years at the max and you would be in a positive situation so that means total dollars in premiums would equal the cash value but we've had a pretty serious number of years of downturn now investments are down interest rates are down everything's down dividends are down so that has been pushed out to year 11 12 13 now somewhere in that neighborhood you're at a pretty close break even point depending on the age of the individual the health of the individual and the premium dollars that they're putting in Mm -hmm. because you got so many people that want to put as little as they can premium dollars wise and they're wondering why it's not working the way it should so well, my this policy why-
0: that I that I got last year from Emeritus will take almost exactly ten years to meet that number that you just said, where the number of premium dollars that I put in oh. equals the cash value number, and that used to be seven or eight. And to your point, yeah. more modern policy uh, based off of the existing current um, the current um, interest rates. That's where where it lands is about 10 years.
2: Well, Crawford, you're just so dadgum young, it'll, it'll work a little quicker. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the same for the 67 year old guy. (laughs) That's fair. One thing, but it's close.
3: Yeah. One thing that's often missing in the conversation I find is that, you know, the, the day your policy issues, you have a tremendous death benefit that's guaranteed for your ah. family. Don't forget about that. (laughs) Hello, that's like the whole cake. You know, that sometimes I feel like you're missing the cake to focus on the icing, you know, with the cash value, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. There's a lot of value in that protection that's guaranteed for you tax free and grows every year, by the way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a fair
0: point. You know, like so many people in an an, investment conversation discuss, you know, the, the return of that said investment. But it is just a single use asset at that point. Exactly. It is something you cannot touch or use along its growth or trajectory because you interrupt that compounding interest or you get penalized. Um, I don't know why I said penalized, I meant penalized. Uh, but like you, uh, you, you you, can't use that investment, um, but with life insurance, uh, properly designed whole life insurance, you not only get to use that equity, that cash value, it doesn't affect the interest, uh, the growth of the policy. You're not interrupting that compounding interest. We have a 13 minute video that discusses that, that Chris Bay did, that's mm-hmm. amazing. And then thirdly, it is an and asset. Worst thing happens is you die and your family gets the death benefit.
3: Mm.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It's always many it's a win-win. Put into it.
1: <laughs> so when we look at these illustrations long-term, um, you know, I'm thinking in my mind over on the left-hand side, I've got my premium. And the way we typically design them, you know, 40% of that premium is going into the base premium, 60% is going into the paid up edition rider. And we typically drop that, that PUA, that paid up edition rider off or decrease it significantly starting the fifth year. Part of that has to do with the MEC uh, and and keeping it from becoming a modified endowment contract. Um, But if you just follow that, so that base premium would continue. Mm -hmm. So that's what's happening on the left-hand side. On the right-hand side, we've got the death benefit, we've got the cash value, and then we've got a column of this dividend, which we don't pay a lot of attention to it. Um, it's important. But that dividend, as you go down through the years, it's also increasing. Yep. And at some point, that dividend And that's simply the company sharing the proceeds of their profits with us as policy owners because we are working with mutual companies. So it's like a co-op. When we get that dividend, by the way, tax-free, it's a return of premium. If you've read Nelson's book, it's not a taxable (laughs) event. When that dividend comes, at some point, it will actually be the same amount or more than the base premium. Because it's just simply growing and growing and getting bigger and bigger. Now, we recommend, in fact, I can't think of anyone who doesn't do this, of all of our clients and all of us, we recommend that that dividend be turned into paid up death benefit, right? Yeah. Mike Kong, I know you like to talk about that. Discuss why we why we want that dividend to go into um, into the death benefit, because I could use it towards paying down a loan. I could pocket it. I could say, hey, send it to me. I can yep. use it towards premium, but why do we put it into death benefit?
3: Sure. So when, when you understand that the dividend comes out, right, it's paid as a dollar amount, let's say. Um, when it's uh reinvested for IBC purposes to purchase you more death benefit and you know paid up addition dollars and cash value subsequently, uh, the impact to your policy is actually much more than the than the dollars of the dividend that's dispersed. Mm-hmm. To you. Okay, because there's <clears throat> there's this complicated process, the actuaries have figured it out, mathematically speaking, because this is a, a, a well, I mean, it, it's it's priced out for so many years that the, the, the death benefit that it purchases you, right, is gonna be multiples, uh, maybe three, four times as much uh, mm. death benefit do you get for the same do- dollars of dividend. And that, of course, necessarily increases the cash value too, because remember, you know, um, the real value, the cash value, has been defined to me as as nothing more than the present day value of that future death benefit. Yeah. So whenever your death benefit is increasing, your cash value necessarily increases, right? And that does you know increase day, monthly, annually because you're ever approaching that amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so just remember that when it's when it's left in the policy to reinvest, the impact to your policy is much greater than the dividend itself
1: yeah well said well said
2: can i use an exact example go for it so my very first policy my very first policy in april of this year got a 1238 dollar dividend now keep in mind i have a large policy loan on this thing but it still created a dividend of $1,238. It purchased 7823 in death benefit. It purchased, so the 1200 bucks purchased additional death benefit, but that's what my cash value increased by. Mm so if you were just doing some quick math 7800 divided by 1200 i'm doing quick math doggone that's about a seven percent rate of return on your money Yep. when do you want that to stop
3: i'll, I'll add my own example and, and mine's not there as you go as- but, you know, I, I started, uh, you know, IBC, my very first policy 10 years ago, last month, May 2013 wow. was the issue date. Um, and I started where I could, you know, it was just below the example we always use. The base premium on that one was 38 30 So not even mm-hmm. the $1,000 we often use. Okay, so keep that in right. mind, not a big policy. But at the 10-year mark, I made my uh, payment and the dividend Take a stab for a thirty-eight thirty, you know, $3,830. What do you think that dividend was? Ten years. Good. Well, come on. Price is right. Let's go. <laughs> 917.
1: Chris,
3: Chris, what do you think? 1,001. $2,718. Whoa. Okay. Now, here's the thing. If I took that as cash, you could buy that out, you know, 3830 divided by 2718, that's like 70%. But remember, we don't take it as cash, right? Mm. It was left to reinvest to purchase more PUA, more death benefit, okay? Yeah. Uh, and the the death benefit growth was over 8,000, okay, in death. Benefit. And the net uh, cash value growth year over year was 11,000. So quick mm. though, right? Of course. I was past the four-year mark, but I did add some P, some PUA into it. But I checked back to the PUA, and all told, with the PUA, it was 6000 just over $6,000. Mm.
2: So
3: you put in 6000 that's base and PUA, you net growth over 12 months, the same period, 11000
1: put that mm. in the calculator.
3: It's pretty that's good. Yeah. <laughs> put that.
1: So, So you make me think... A common, common question that we get from lots and lots of people, and again, it's the way we think, right, is when can I stop paying premiums? (laughs) When you hear that question from folks, how do you guys respond to that?
0: Well, I think I would use an example just like Kwong or Everett just gave, honestly, is like, I would look at their illustration. If we're talking about a client X and they have a policy, a $10,000 annual premium policy, and they say, when does my premium end? And let's say they have an emeritus policy and that policy ends um, premium wise, you stop paying at age, um, what is it? 65, 75, sorry. Mm -hmm. So you stop paying that premium at 75, but here's the thing at age, you know, 75, they paid their, their final $4,000, whatever that, you know, if it was a $10,000 right. policy and it grows by somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, 47, eight, you know, 5,000, 5,000, you know, $200, whatever it is. Like, when do you want that to stop? If you can put $2,000 into a system that will then more than double, maybe even three, triple the amount of growth in your, in your system, there isn't an entire, there isn't a, product, tool, asset in the world that has that type of uh, return long-term, right? That didn't happen day one. That was, and in many cases, if you're in your, you know, 30s or 40s, when you buy that policy, that's 30 years down the road, but you've gotten to use it the entire time. And then at the Mm. end, you still paid that premium at the age of 75 and it grew by two and a half times the value. Oh, it'd be way more than two and a half times, yeah, right. right? But by, you know right. what I mean, like yeah, even well, worst case, two and a half.
3: What uh, what I always show is you know on the illustrations, oftentimes something magical happens at year five. We know this, right? Once yeah. you're yeah. capitalizing it, um, that that positively geared effect takes over. Where at that ten thousand with a four thousand uh, dollar base mm-hmm. premium, that four thousand dollars going in at year five will often net you forty five, forty six hundred dollars of growth. OK, why mm-hmm. would well, I, I use this example if you're at an ATM and this ATM is a magical one that takes four dollars, every four dollars you put in kicks mm-hmm. back four dollars and fifty, four dollars, sixty cents. Would you want to stop putting money in that or would you mm-hmm. want to put more or have <laughs> many ATMs like I do, you know, that you could have? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, that's, that's an excellent example of how franchising works using an ATM. That's right. I love that model. Like, that's a, mm. you know, analogies are something that I use a lot. And sometimes my wife rolls her eyes because I use analogies a lot. But I think that sometimes when you're talking about a, a system like I, infinite banking, it's not a complex process. But it mm. is hard for us to shift our mind. And so using an analogy like that ATM, like it's something we can all relate to. We've all been to the ATM, even if it's been a minute, we all remember punch, 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 you put in the number, you know. So, you know, I think that the the thing that we as agents and as coaches, we try to do to our clients is help them bring it to what Nelson always said, the you and me level and get it out so that people can, you know, comprehend it and consume it and really process it effectively.
1: Mike Crawford, you brought up something when you're talking about the, the Maritas policy, I think you said paid up at 75. <laughs> Not all companies have them paid up. And what we mean by that is no more premium is required. Not all companies have them paid up at the same. Yeah. There's varying. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, Nelson talked even in his book, a lot of the examples he used were paid up at 100 I think. Um, I could yep. be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was 100 um, You know, I was just looking at MTL. MTL is paid up at 90 um, uh, Emeritus is paid up at 75 for the policy that we use. Now, to answer a side question on that is um, each policy design, each company has multiple whole life products. Each of them are designed for... For a specific purpose and we use the ones that are designed or that work best for infinite banking and in this case like emeritus it pays up um at age 75. um but ultimately i think that the real reason for that has a lot to do um with something mike kuang has said before and i'll kind of try to butcher it but he basically said that you know the the faster you can pay that premium the you're towards that premium dollar um the faster the cash, the faster the death benefit grows, right? Because you're, it's a shorter time period that you're paying that premium from start to finish in terms of number Mm -hmm. of years. And so I think that, you know, with the emeritus policy that we use that was honestly designed by, you know, Nelson Nash practitioners working with um, emeritus, um, that policy is geared for long-term cash growth. Yeah,
1: absolutely some of them are, are are paid up at 75 some are paid up at 90 you know under yeah um, there there's so it just depends on how the company designed it you know what the purpose was and all that um there's one more term before we wrap up there's one more term and that is when it endows
2: mm. there you go uh,
1: mike everett can you talk about what does it mean to endow and what that means with a policy
2: basically your cash value equals the death benefit if you want to get to the simple, simple term, the yep. cash value equals the death benefit. That's what it, because if you go back to the the old actuaries, what they did was they they figured the lifespan of a, a person was a hundred years. If they paid that premium, the cash value would equal the death benefit. Yep. Obviously, with uh, the way people's lives are living longer Mm -hmm. um people are taking better care of themselves i think (laughs) (laughs) and uh, so they they're pushing those those endowments out a little further now yeah which six one half it does the other because of how policies are now designed especially with ibc you it takes a minute to get to that place. Mm-hmm. That's because we're using those dollars all along their lives. Yeah. But uh, my goodness.
1: Yeah. So, endowed typically, it's going to be, at least right now, in a lot of the policies, it's 121 years old. Yep. Right. So, we always joke, um, I got to a client and i was joking with her and i said you know if you reach 121 the company's going to come to you and they're going to say old lady leave us alone they're going to write you a check for the death benefit and it's all yours just just leave us alone go away, go away. right oh man <laughs> but but yeah i mean when you think about those those two columns you've got your death benefit and you've got your cash surrender value what's happening is the death benefit is a much bigger yep. number but that cash surrender value, it is catching up to it all along the yep. way until they actually equal each other. And when they do, that is what is in, it means it's endowed. And yep. they're simply going to write you a check for the death benefit at that point. Yep. If You if know, you when you and life, I
2: started working together eight or nine years ago, and you would say that kind of stuff about uh, older people, I, I thought, Man, those are some crabby people. But now I am one of those crabby people. <laughs> it,
1: it, it was eleven years ago, Everett.
2: Well, six, eight, nine, eleven. Time
1: <laughs> <Fun laughs> oh, flies when you're phone, having yeah. fun, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> I'm telling you.
1: Good stuff, guys. So we talked about you know the general idea of when do think when do our policies break even. We broke down the different ways that people think about that. Um, we talked about why would you want to stop paying premiums? Yeah, but a large percentage of our clients actually use loans against their policies to pay premiums. Um, if you can use new money, it's even better, of course, but, but a lot of our clients, the way we design the policies, if they're an honest banker, they don't have to worry about their premium coming up with new money starting Mm. second year. Um, we talked about, um, the the different t- uh, types of policies and when they can be paid up. And then we talked about um, when a policy endows. So good stuff, gentlemen. Thanks for joining in on this podcast. To our listeners, check us out at lifesuccesslegacy.com. Uh, give us a thumbs up, comment. If you have a topic you'd like for us to discuss, please uh, send that to us um, so we can share that information and discuss it. And we look forward to you joining us next time on the Life Success Legacy podcast. Thanks, guys. See ya.